And we are rolling. Do you say rolling when it's a podcast? Well, we're streaming it too, so I guess it doesn't really matter either way. Fair point. All right. Well, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? I go first. Yeah, you are the subject of this podcast. Kind of. Just say your name and why we're doing this. Okay. My name is Jacqueline, but everyone calls me Jack. And this is a podcast about some weird tapes I've been receiving since I was a kid. You have zero flair for the dramatic. Hey, you're the artist here. I am just an innocent bystander. (laughs) All right, fine. Hello, listeners. My name is Lena, and welcome to the inaugural episode. This podcast is devoted to unraveling these mysterious and disturbing cassette tapes that my friend Jack has been receiving in the mail since she was a child. The content of which spans from the bizarre to the downright horrifying. In each episode, we will listen to one of the tapes and discuss any relevant information, as well as any theories that we have developed about who is sending them and why they are sending them to Jack. But fair warning, this is a mystery to us as well. We don't have the answers. The primary reason for this podcast is that we are hoping that one of you might be able to help us crack this case. This is Tapes from Beyond. See, that's all you had to do. Why'd you change your voice? It's my podcast voice. It makes it sound more intense. Oh, is that what it does? (laughs) Whatever. Moving on. All right, Jack, why don't you tell us about these tapes? Well, it started when I was nine years old. My family and I went on a cross-country road trip one summer, and when we returned home, there was a package sitting on the front porch for me. There was no return address on it, and it came in a padded envelope, which was beat to hell. What do you mean by that? The envelope looked like it had been sitting at the bottom of a mail sack, which was sitting in a mud puddle for about 10 years. It was addressed to you specifically. First, middle, and last name. No return address. How did your parents react to this? At first, they just assumed it was a friend who sent me a package from camp or something. Truthfully, I was being a right shit by the end of the trip, so I think they were happy to have a distraction. Why were you, as you say, being a right shit? I was nine, and I just spent three weeks in a station wagon with my parents and my brother. Right. All right. Well, so they hand you the package, and then what? I go into my room and open it, and find one of those mini cassette tapes for a handheld recorder. The kind people used to use before everyone had a smartphone. Was there a note or anything inside? Just the tape. It was unlabeled, and other than looking roughed up like the envelope, there was nothing remarkable about the physical tape. The content on the tape, however, was a different story. That's one way of putting it. So then what happened? 
my dad had one of the old recorders that he kept in a box out in the garage. So I found it and played the tape. And we're going to play that tape for the audience here in a few moments. But I'd like to do a little housekeeping first. So you swear to me and to everyone listening that the story you're telling is true. These tapes were sent to you in the mail and you had nothing to do with their production, nor do you have any idea who made them or why they were sent to you. That is correct. And how are we supposed to believe you? I guess I really don't care if anyone believes me anymore. Uh, I'm only doing the podcast because we're friends and you asked me to. Oh, come on, Jack. I'm serious. I spent my entire childhood trying to convince people that these tapes were real, and no matter what evidence I produced, people still found some way to try and say it was all fake. So I stopped caring. I believe you, and I am sure some of our audience will too. I just want to lay out all the facts because that's the only possible way we can solve this. Regardless of how small or trivial it may seem, even if you don't care whether or not people believe you, I know you still would like to figure this mystery out. Fine. Well, when I was 12, my sister played one of these tapes, the third one I received, at a Halloween party for some friends, and one of them was recording the party on video. In it, I walk in while they're playing it, and I freak out on them. Okay, so at the very least, we can prove that the existence of these tapes goes back 15 years or so? Correct. And can we talk to your family about this? Technically, but I would rather you didn't. Why not? Because these tapes aren't a fun conversation for my family. They're mostly indifferent about it now, but it's caused a fair bit of hardship throughout the years. But like I said, anything could help our listeners crack this case. We don't even know if this podcast has any listeners. So how about we just wait a minute before we cause any unneeded family drama? Okay, that's fair. Well. One last thing I want to touch on before we play the tape. The tapes themselves have not been edited or altered in any way. Is that correct? Correct. And I've listened to this one already, but you've not let me listen to any of the other tapes, correct? Correct. I have a few questions for you after we play this tape, but we agreed that we don't want to discuss anything on any of the future tapes until we've listened to them, with the exception of if a current theory could be disproved or confirmed by something on a future tape. Correct. Those are the rules you wanted to lay out. Right. I just don't want to put any preconceived notions in our listeners' head, nor do I want to send them down a wild goose chase if it's something we can already eliminate. Makes sense. All right. We're about to listen to the first tape, but we do have to warn our listeners. Some people might find some of the language and circumstances being described in this tape disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. So 
I decided I wanted to give this recording thing another shot. Um, I'm not going to rant like I did the last time, because that's not going to help anything. But, um... But I feel like I'm losing my fucking mind here. And I need someone to talk to. Even if that's just a small There's a practical reason for doing this as well. And that I can't explain a lot of what I've seen these past couple days. A lot of what I've experienced. And, um... You know, I don't know if I'm going crazy or or if this town is crazy or or what, but uh you know, I figure if I if I talk about what I've seen in these recordings, then at least I can go back and listen to them and know that that I'm not making it all up. You know, because I don't know how long it's going to be until someone can come and 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 rescue me. I don't know how long it's going to be until I can get out of here. I don't know if so, you know, I'll, I'll probably just end up pitching these down the well like I did the last one, but, um, you know, maybe it'll help. You know, I guess I'll start from the beginning. I came to this town because I'm doing that thing for my brother. I, I guess one of the families is from here, so I, I got their address and I, and I drove all the way here. When I finally got off the freeway, I still had to drive down these back roads for, for a long time. And um, I eventually came to a gas station that was on the outskirts of town. And, um, you know, I go inside hoping that someone will be able to, to help me find this address. But uh, when, I, when I got in there, there was no one there. Um, you know, the, the doors were open, there was product on the shelves, the lights were on, but, but there was no one inside. So I waited around for a little bit. I thought maybe, you know, someone was on their break or going to the bathroom or something, but no one showed up. You know, so eventually I just grabbed a copy of, of the town map and I went out to the car to try and find the address on my own. I was able to find the street that it was on and I figured that would be a good enough start. So I go to start my car and uh, lo and behold, my car doesn't work. Now, I, I don't know a lot about cars, but this one's brand new and there's no reason it shouldn't have worked, but it didn't. So I got out and I started walking into town. You know, I um, I figured there had to be a mechanic in town somewhere, and I didn't know, frankly, what else to do. No, the town itself is kind of nestled down in these hills, and uh, you know, I, I I don't think I'm doing justice to just how eerie this all felt already. You know, as soon as I got off the freeway, I got this this overwhelming bad feeling, like this 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 don't go feeling. No, I'm not a superstitious person. You know, I figured, you know, I must have just been anxious about the task at hand. So I just pushed it out and I and I just went into town anyways. So it wasn't just that gas station that was abandoned. It was this whole town. The whole time I was walking down the road, there weren't any cars. I didn't see anybody else walking. There was nobody on a bicycle. I passed a handful of houses, but they all looked abandoned. There was no sign of life anywhere. There weren't any animals. Hell, there wasn't even any roadkill. This whole town was empty. It was... It was dead. But I didn't know what else to do. So, so I, I kept, kept walking. walking. Eventually I came up to this trail. That cut down the hill and through the woods. And it had a sign that said that it led towards downtown. So I pull out the map and, and best I could tell that this trail would, would save me a couple miles off the trip. 
it was getting pretty close to dark and and i didn't want to be out here at night so you know i i, I take the trail i mean how was i supposed to know So I came maybe a half mile into the trail, and I hear this noise from behind me. So I turn around, so I keep walking back into town, maybe just a little bit faster now. I get a couple more steps, and, and, and I hear the noise again. So I spin around, and, and, and still nothing. And then I hear it again. And that's when I realized that the noise wasn't just coming from behind me. It was also coming from above me. You know, it's kind of this hazy forest, and, and it was getting pretty close to dark, so I didn't have a great view of it, but um, I could see this giant, vaguely humanoid silhouette hanging in a tree. And I, I swear, as soon as I looked at it, it started charging at me. So I turn around and I run, and this thing is chasing me. It's swinging through the trees. I can hear it grunting as it leaps from limb to limb. I can hear small branches explode as it plows right through them. And it's gaining on me. And I know that this thing wants to hurt me. I know that if I let this thing catch me, it's going to pummel me into the ground. It's going to pound me until I'm pulp. And I don't want that to happen, so I run. And eventually I see it. I see where this trail, this steep downhill woodland trail, empties out on this flat, paved road and I feel like if I can just get to that road maybe I have a chance but this thing is getting closer and closer and I get right up to the edge of the trail and I hear the thing drop down from the trees I feel the ground shake as it lands right behind me and I know I have to be within this thing's arms reach so I just leap forward and I hit the ground but I don't stick the landing and I go tumbling forward and I know that this thing isn't going to trip so as soon as I stop rolling, I just curl into the fetal position and I wait. But nothing happens. I, I've rolled a lot further than I realize. I'm at least a hundred feet from the edge of the woods. But I can see the thing standing there. Right at the edge of the shadow of the tree line. Like it was afraid to come out into the light. And like I said, it was a hazy day. And I'm not in a great shape because of the fall, but I can make the thing out a lot clearer now. And it looks like this massive... There's, there's something, something wrong with it. It's sick. It, it, it's... it's it you know, I, I remember once I read this, this magazine article about this guy who had this condition. This poor man they called the tree man. Because he had all of these growths all over his body. And they're so thick and so dark that that it looked like he was made partially out of bark like he was made partially out of out of this wood and that's what this thing looked like and i'm staring at this thing frozen in terror and then it screams but it wasn't this low animalistic roar like you might expect it was high pitched. It sounded it sounded like a child being hurt, like a child being murdered. And I will never forget that scream. It is scarred into my memory. But that broke me out of my trance. As soon as that thing screamed, I got up and I started running in the town.
when I started moving, I could feel how bad a shape I was in, but I had to push that out. I couldn't think about how hurt I was because then I wouldn't be able to move and this thing would get me. So I go running into town and I get into the downtown area and I start screaming like a maniac. I start screaming, help me, please. God, somebody help. There's something in the woods. I need help. Anyone, please. But just like everything else, it was abandoned. There were cars in the road, but they were covered in this layer of filth. Everything was decaying like it had been left for dead decades ago. But I run up to the buildings anyways, and I start pulling on the doors, and they're all locked. Some of them are, are barricaded shut. None of the buildings even had lights on. Except for one. One building down at the end of the road lit up like a beacon in the middle of the ocean. So I forget everything else and I go running straight towards it. And that's how I found this bowling alley. As soon as I got up to the door, I try the handle and it opens right up. I got inside and I started screaming for help again. Nobody answered, but I was expecting it this time, so it, it didn't hurt as much. I checked the lock behind me, and it worked. And as soon as that lock slid shut, I felt this wave of relief. For the first time since I got off the freeway, something worked. Finally, the pendulum swung in the right direction. And that moment of relief allowed me to realize how bad a shape I was really in. My heart and my lungs burned. I can feel the cuts and bruises all over my body start to swell. I could tell that my ankle was severely injured. But mostly in those first moments, it was my legs that hurt. I'd never run like that before. And, and they felt so weak and heavy. They felt unstable, like they were made out of wet cement. And I knew that I needed to sit down. I see one of those hard plastic benches at the end of a lane, and I go to walk towards it. And as soon as I try and take that first step, I just collapse onto the ground. My legs did all that they could. They refused to work any longer. So I start crawling towards it, and I pull myself up onto that bench. And as soon as I put my head down, I passed out. Now, I can't tell you how long I was out for, but when I woke up, it was completely dark out. I probably would have slept through the whole night, but the thing from the woods was outside. It woke me up with one of its ear-piercing screams. I could hear that it was close, too. I could hear it shuffling around and grunting out there. I could hear the occasional click of its wooden club-like limbs against the cement, and I knew that it was searching for me. And to top it all off, I really had to pee. Now, I didn't want to get up and go to the bathroom because what if I made a noise and alerted that thing to my presence? So I figured, you know, I'll just piss my pants. I mean, all things considered, it would be far from the worst thing I went through that day. But then I realized that I couldn't do that either. Because what if this thing was using scent to try and track me down? 
And what if that was enough to alert it to my presence? So I sat on that hard plastic bench, body aching, frozen in terror, too scared to piss my own pants. Now fear has a way of slowing down time, of really stretching out a moment, and pain does as well. And together it's exponential. So I can't tell you how long I waited for that thing to leave, but it felt like an eternity. Eventually it did leave, though. I couldn't hear its grunting or shuffling anymore, and its screams became more of an echo. And when I was absolutely certain that it was gone, I waited for what felt like another eternity, just to be safe. And when I couldn't stand it any longer, I got up and I made my way into the bathroom. Now, I wish I could tell you what I was thinking in that moment, but to be honest, I, I don't believe that I was thinking at all. I don't think that I was ready to process the horror of the situation that I was in, that I'm still in. But when I finished, I hit the lever and the toilet flushed, and that told me that not only did this place have electricity, but it also had running water. So I made my way over to the sink and I turned on the faucet and out rushed cold, clear, clean water. And after I drank as much as I could, I, I looked around to see if there was anything else useful in this bathroom. And I found a mop handle that I used as a walking stick. And there was a first aid kit that I used to patch myself up with. I even made a makeshift splint for my ankle. I then made my way out to the main area of the bowling alley. I noticed that even though it was run down, like everything else in this town, structurally it was sound. The doors and windows were intact. There weren't any holes in the roof or in the walls. There was even vending machines that were fully stocked in the corner. I made my way into the office next and found a lot of other useful things as well. I found keys to the vending machines. I found that letter. I found this tape recorder that I'm talking to you on now. But most importantly, I found that this room had a locking door and a couch. So I took the keys and made my way back out into the main area, and I got myself a dinner that the eight-year-old me would have killed for. I took my chips and candy and pop. I went back into the office, locked the door, ate my dinner, and passed out on the couch. And that's how I spent my first night here. In so, there's that. Yep. Welcome to my childhood. I know we're supposed to get into the tape, but I have to know, what is it like for you listening to that? It depends. This time it was a bit more intense than usual, I think, given all of this. For the most part, since I was a kid, it's no big deal. It's not something I enjoy thinking about, so I don't pull out the tapes and listen to them when I'm bored or anything. But what about when you first heard it? I was horrified. Take me back to that day. What were you thinking when you first got it? What happened after you listened to it? I was legitimately traumatized by it. I mean, I was nine years old. The swear words alone were enough to make me feel sick. 
I remember listening to it and then getting this overwhelming fear of being watched. I mean, this tape was addressed to me specifically, so whoever sent it knew where I lived and they wanted me to hear it. I, I didn't know what to do. I thought my parents would be mad at me if I showed it to them. Why? A bunch of reasons. I wasn't even allowed to watch PG-13 movies, so they definitely wouldn't have wanted me to be listening to this. I was worried they would think somehow this tape being here was my fault. And I had already caused such a fuss on the car ride home, I didn't want to introduce any drama into the household. So what did you do? I sat down and I started crying. You poor little girl. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know what else to do. Eventually, my dad heard me and he came in and he thought I was just crying over the stress of the day, so he kneeled down next to me and gave me a hug. I kept saying no, 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 and that freaked him out a little bit. And he pulled back, looked around, and saw the tape recorder, which was still playing, albeit it was just white noise at this time. Did he listen to the tape then? Not right away. He brought me inside and sat me at the table and asked me what was wrong. My mom and brother gathered around and I told them about the tape. My dad started to play it again, and I screamed at him to stop. I told him I didn't want my brother to listen to it, and I didn't want to listen to it again either, so they sent us to our rooms. I heard them shouting at each other a little after that, and then they both came straight into my room. What were they shouting at each other about? I don't know. You never asked them about it? Nope. Alright. Well... Then what happened when they came into your room? My mom came right up to me and gave me a hug. She was crying and apologizing that I had to hear that. She told me she felt awful that she didn't listen to it first. Then my dad asked who sent me the tape. I told him I had no idea, which he didn't believe right away. I eventually convinced them I had no idea, and that was pretty much that. What do you mean, that was that? They didn't call the police or anything? Sure they did. But what could the police do? No crimes had been committed, and sure the tape was scary, but they didn't make any threats or anything. But what about the guy on the tape? They weren't worried about some guy who was trapped by a monster in some ghost town? Listen to the sentence you just said. <laughs> they figured it was all a prank. They said if we see anyone creeping around the house or following us around to give them a call. They also said to keep the tape in case any more gets sent and then they could compare notes on the two or something along those lines. So the cops left and it was back to life like normal? No, the cops left, but life took a little while to go back to normal. My parents were on edge after that. My brother was pissed at me because I wouldn't let him listen to the tape, and I couldn't sleep at night, which made everything worse for everyone. I just kept picturing this guy trapped alone in a bowling alley somewhere, terrified and waiting to die. We had these woods out behind my house, and I was convinced every noise I heard 
was the thing from the woods. But eventually, yeah, everything went back to some form of normal. Until the second tape arrived. You got it. All right. We'll save that for the next episode then. Before we finish, let's clear up some stuff about this tape. And I guess a bit about the whole process, really. You still don't have any leads on who might have done this. Zero ideas. Have you eliminated all of your friends and family? I technically haven't eliminated anyone, but no, I don't think anyone I know did it. Why do you say that? Because why would anyone do this? I mean, let's run down the possible motivations. Is someone doing this to try and torture me? Is it a prank? Is it a weird art project? Is it a cry for help, literally or metaphorically? Over the years, I've heard or thought of every possible reason why someone might do this, and none of them stick. Well, let's run through those possibilities, one by one. How have you eliminated them? They pretty much all come back to a lack of a motive for doing it. First, we'll go with someone doing it maliciously. I was nine years old when I got the first one. I hadn't been alive long enough to piss anyone off that bad. Second, prank. No one in my life had the creative energy to pull something off like this. Plus, whenever there's a prank, there's always someone in the end who comes out and tells you it was a prank. No one has ever done that. Third, art project. Same answer as above. I don't know anyone who would do some weird two-decade-long performance piece about torturing some random kid-slash-adult now. Finally, a call for help. What if the stuff in this tape is real, and some guy is or was really trapped and trying to get someone to come save them? Why would they send it to me? Of all the people in the world, they send it to some random nine-year-old girl. So like I said, technically, I haven't ruled out any of these, but at this point, I would need something to convince me that any of these could be possible before I entertain any of them again. What about some random pervert that gets off on this somehow? People always say that, but the tapes never get sexual. Again, technically, I can't rule it out, but I would need some sort of evidence to believe in it first. You get that suggestion a lot? Yeah. <laughs> I think sex is confusing and uncomfortable enough on its own for lots of people, so anything they don't get gets shoved into that category. Which really only narrows it down to one possible category. You're making it all up. Exactly. Which is why I don't bother talking about it much anymore. People hate questions without an answer. And as that is the only answer that really makes sense, that's pretty much what everyone assumes. But you're not making it up, though. I'm not making it up. And my parents have plenty of therapy bills to prove it. All right. Well, let's break down the tape itself. Actually, can we wait for this one? I kind of want to hear if anyone has any theories of their own before we get into mine. I have never been able to hear what other people think about this without my own ideas being introduced to them first. That 
kind of breaks from the format we just introduced to people. We don't really want to do that in the first episode. I know, and and going forward, we'll stick to the format, but this is an opportunity here to think about this with a clean slate, and I don't think I'll ever get another one. I don't know. Humor me, okay? All right, fine. But we'll do a full breakdown in the next episode on your theories as well as any theories we get from our listeners. Agreed? Agreed. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the first episode of Tapes from Beyond. Please like, share, and subscribe. If you have any questions you would like to ask us, feel free to leave a comment and maybe we can address it in a future episode. Until next time, good night and stay safe. Thank you.